Hey there, friends. This is Robert Frazier with the City Network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope it's been a blessing to you and your faith community. We have an exciting announcement before you listen to this next episode. On October 27th, we'll be together for our annual fall gathering at Summit Church in Boise from 11 to 1 p.m. We're going to talk about what is happening across our city, share stories, get to know some church planners, and talk about the future of the movement to grow and multiply healthy churches across the Treasure Valley. So see you there. Free lunch from an incredible restaurant in South Boise. Don't miss it. You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. Welcome. This is a conversation uh, of the City Network, and we are a movement, a network that's focused on three primary objectives. Uh, the first is to grow healthy churches, and that kind of has two pieces to it. The first is we want to see churches grow. We want them to see fulfill their mission where new people are coming in and receiving Christ and being healed and experiencing freedom. But we also want them to be healthy. We want to see healthy churches emerge and grow. Um, and there's a lot of churches who have differing levels of health, as we see throughout the valley. Um, and there's a life cycle to a lot of churches where an initial generation will plant a church it will grow to a time of fruition. And then there's a moment where churches have to decide, are we going to reinvent ourselves for the next generation? Or are we going to uh, basically stay the way we are and see what, what tends to happen is steady decline over time. And a lot of churches go into those spaces and don't know what to do next. And today we're going to tell a story about what does it look like to see health and uh, vitality renew a church. Uh, so w- one of our one of our initiatives is really around church renewal. How do we help churches merge? How do we help churches um, shut down well? Because some churches are at the end of their life cycle and they want to take the assets that God's entrusted to them and use them for kingdom purposes. Um, we also have uh, churches who are kind of taking steps into new new avenues of health and growth. And that really describes you at Hill City, Josh. You guys um, were a campus of a multi-site planted as an autonomous church four years ago, three years ago, three and a half. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So just a few years ago and you've seen a season of vitality of, of growth. And, uh, since you've been autonomous, you guys have grown significantly, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we really, uh, were a campus for about five years and now we've been our own church for just over three years. And I think part of that is, you know, there's a lot of systems and even leadership structure you are, in some ways, a blessing can rely on in the multi-site strategy. I know a lot of great churches leverage that and are still using that uh, model. So we're not necessarily uh, for or against any kind of model, but for us, what we found is, in some ways, the the cost of being our own independent local church forced us to get better at developing leaders, uh, to get better at communicating our own vision, our own mission. And and really it freed us up as well to be uh, more contextual to our neighborhood. 
Yeah. Uh, a large percentage of our congregation is from the North End, is from the Highlands, is from even downtown Boise area. And yeah, so for us, um, it was a lot of work that relaunched that, you know, where are we going now? But it also really freed us up and uh, we've seen God bless it in some really cool ways. Yeah, and we are sitting in the middle of a building that's right here in downtown. It's right next to Boise High School. And uh, it historically was launched as Capital Christian Church, right? Is Capital that the City Christian Capital City. City Christian Church. And before that, Central Christian Church. And before that, First Christian Church back in the 1880s. 1880s. So this building, this congregation has been around for 140 years. That's incredible. And David's with us today. He was a part of this story of what we've seen as a, as a merger in this building. I'd love for you to just start with, how did the story begin? How did you guys kind of, uh, how did this congregation get ready for the next season? And then how did, how did this relationship start to emerge? I think the process started a long time ago. So the group of people that started this church in the 1800s were pretty resilient people. They built this building in the early 1900s when the, practically it would be, what are you trying to do? It's a big building, it's a unique design, and somehow they made it work. And in that period as they grew, they, this was a congregation of six to a thousand people at a time. And that was back before they drove for anywhere. They would walk to church. They'd come in their, their buggies and their Model Ts but this wow. church was huge, and they, they, there's pictures of how they had to open up the whole side room, and people were upstairs mm -hmm. and downstairs. So just a great history of God's people coming together and loving to worship in this building. Mm -hmm. they, they went through some hard times, and so in those hard times, uh, they got rebirthed. So part of the church decided to go to the university district, and they moved thinking that they might just close this group down. But the people that lived downtown said, we want it. So it, it stayed, it became Central Christian Church. Mm. And Central Christian Church had its heyday and grew. But as time went on, they, they dwindled in attendance, uh, as, especially as young families moved uh, to the suburbs. When, we, when my wife and I moved to Boise in 2004, this church was just, uh, we were meeting in the basement they literally had 40 people and they didn't want to heat the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And a group of people came along and said, this can't happen, let's, let's rebirth it. So they came in and they renamed it Capital City Christian Church. And uh, a local minister, Gary Anderson, came in and led uh, basically with no financial support to speak of. Mm -hmm. A couple of local churches said, we'll give you a little bit every month so you can pay your bills. And Gary just worked his heart out. He painted, he cleaned up the building physically, he called on people in the hospital. He did whatever he could and the church grew to 150. Oh wow. Uh, and it was going pretty well. Gary decided to retire. And when Gary retired, uh, they brought a young, um, non-traditional student who was graduating from Boise Bible College to come in and preach. His heart was in a small congregation, but in a small community. He was a country boy. Oh, okay. So he gave the church three years, and then he decided just in the beginning of COVID that now's the time for me to move on. 
So he moved to a small church in Oregon. That happened a couple weeks before COVID hit the nation. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, that was, COVID wasn't the factor, He didn't know. Factor, that wasn't right? the factor yeah. at all. He yeah. just, it just happened to hit at the same time. Yeah. And the night that uh, Quentin was going to resign, he said, David, will you come in and talk with the elders? So um, I, I do a lot of consulting through Boise Bible College, and it was a natural thing in the church that I attend to try to help. So I asked the elders to meet every week and we'd pray and we'd search out what God wanted us to do next. Mm. Uh, through COVID, our numbers slipped down to 50 on Sunday, 40 sometimes. Uh, we didn't stay closed very long uh, and we tried to keep meeting, but we knew that we had to do something. So we looked at merging with a large church. We looked at uh, hiring a minister. We looked at all kinds of possibilities. And one day it came to me that, you know, we've got three Boise Bible College graduates that have a very successful church plant, but they're meeting somewhere where it costs them a lot of money for rent. Um, they're like-minded. Let's just at least open the, with let's pray for a season and then see what happens. So that was all kind of the background yeah. for almost six months of, I, I wouldn't call it negotiating, but it was to some extent. We spent that much time in both congregations talking about what we thought God could do if we were together. What, and tell me the story from your perspective, Josh. Like what, how did they approach you and what was, what was your thought immediately when, when they called you? Yeah, for clarity, I wasn't the country boy. I was one of the, <laughs> the pastors of that, that smaller church, Hill City Church uh, in the north end of Boise. And, uh, so for us, it was one of those things where, you know, through the city network, through other means, we try to be connected with what's going on. Um, I had met with Quentin a few times when he was the pastor, just for prayer, support. We're literally, we were two miles away from here. Um, our location was just a little further north. And uh, so when we had heard that he had been called out to uh, a more rural church, yeah, that was something where I had actually reached out to Dave and asked about, you guys need teaching videos because a lot of people were online and just how can we pray? So it was something that was already, I would say, on the back of my mind, something that we were praying about, praying for Capital City in that transition. Uh, we knew they were already engaged in conversations with a larger church, with a lot more people, a lot more assets, a lot more, a lot more of that sort of stuff. And so to be honest, it was something that uh, we were, would have been very open uh, about, open for the opportunity, but didn't really think it was a possibility mm. in that season. Uh, so we just kept praying for them and wishing them the best. And so eventually uh, we had to make a hard call about what is our new commercial lease look like? Oh, yeah. our, we, were, we were negotiating terms for uh, a new five-year plan, about to sign the documents. And the night that we were going to sign that that morning, the night that our elders were, were planning on locking it in, that we were gonna stay in our location for the next five years, Dave texts me the night before, says, can you get coffee tomorrow morning? And so that's, that's, when, that's when we had that conversation. Sounds like a coincidence to me, right? <laughs> totally random. Yeah. yeah, well, I'd love to dive in, Dave. Like, obviously, like there was a larger church you were talking with, and then what made you reach out to Hill City particularly? 
Um, and why did you think it might be a better fit for your people in thinking about working with an up-and-coming small or medium-sized church rather than a large church? Sure. I mean, there were a number of possibilities of what we could do. The easy one for me to, to, to kind of zero out was hiring a minister who could turn the place around. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense that one person could come and take 45 or 50 people and build something that we'd been trying to do for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. So that was easy to lock out. We talked to a large church, and they had a vision of just, you know, everybody kind of resigns their position, turn the assets over to us, and we'll figure out how to do it. And then they came back and said, well, can you suggest somebody to be the campus minister? Can you help us figure out how to do this? And that was a sign to me that maybe they didn't know what they were doing, and it was, all, it was more about an asset than it was about really feeling God's leading to make this happen. Yeah. And, and when you look at a small congregation with young leaders, with lots of families, and with a priority on discipling people, it just made sense that we could take a group of seasoned believers and that they would mix well as they saw a church of younger believers fill this place up. And honestly, it's been amazing uh, to, to remember what it was like to come and have a dozen kids downstairs and six youth and now to see this building not full for one service, but full for two services. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the negotiations, the conversations in the elder board at um, Capital, Capital City. City Christian. I, now we've got Central, we've got Capital, we've got City. <laughs> yeah. We've got, we got four C's I'm working through. Uh, at Capital City Christian, you guys are having those conversations with the elders. Where were the sticking points? Where were the fear points? And how did you work through those? Um, as Because they were giving up a lot. They were saying, our future is with someone else. Our future is under a different name. Our future is under a different leadership. And we're giving up control to partner. Where were the fear points and how did you work through them as a leader? It, it was a relatively slow process, but it all started with prayer. So the elders had committed to praying every week and to not just in our time, but to pray. And we'd ask the congregation to start praying so I'm convinced God hears our prayers. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's like these coincidences. They happen because we're trusting God and he's answering us. Um, not often has he audibly told me what to do next, but sometimes it's been awfully obvious to walk through a door. And I think our elders took it one step at a time. They, they were able to look at what's going on around them, what's happening uh, in in just the process of trying to find a person, and then to realize that, you know, we might give up something, but we're gonna gain a lot more. So we started soon after we talked, we brought it up to the congregation, and we would have meetings after church, and I led most of those meetings, just trying to take them a step at a time that if we, if we wanna survive, if we wanna thrive as a church, we're gonna to have to do things different. So we didn't talk about merger the first meeting, but we talked about the possibility and the, the different choices we had. Mm-hmm. And I think the congregation realized when we had a couple guys 
come through the process of looking, looking and then turning us down, mm -hmm. that it became obvious that that wasn't the best choice. And then we just spent time after time, one of the best parts of the merger was when we had Josh come down and speak. Mm -hmm. So he started coming down at least once a month in the beginning and then a little more often towards the end of the year. Uh, last year, and it was a great experience for the people to hear a young man preach the word, to see the confidence that he had in just discipling people and loving people. Uh, and I think that, in, in the end, is what made the difference. Mm -hmm. Jake came down and led worship, the, their worship leader. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew was involved for one Sunday. So they got to know the staff in a non-threatening way, mm -hmm. preaching the word. Mm -hmm. And in the end, when we had our vote, uh, the elders said, we're gonna do this if we have 51%, we're gonna do it. Mm. In the end, we had 80 some percent vote mm. to merge with Hill City. What were some of the early questions that people were hung up on? And uh, how, did, how did people move from skeptical to like, what, what was the process for them? Sometimes it's a little hard to put it all together simply, but probably the biggest challenge for our old longtime members was the idea of changing the name. Mm -hmm. This was First Christian Church. It was Central Christian Church. It was Capital City Christian Church. And just the idea of that connection to Christian being in the name of the church was the biggest hang-up for a lot of our people. Because of the denominational connections yeah, or the, the They're movement. connected to yeah. the restoration yeah. movement, yeah. to a group of churches that say they're independent, but they're very, yeah. uh, they belong to each other. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the biggest challenge. The other one was just accepting new leadership. And to get over that, um, we determined really early on that two of our elders would stay on as elders at Hill City. And that probably was what brought the people over that still were having to hang up with the name mm -hmm. to say, well, we trust our leaders. Mm. So if they want two of our leaders in there, we think this is gonna work. Okay. And as you guys were talking about, okay, here's, here's how, there's lots of ways to structure a merger. There's mergers of equals, there's kind of takeovers, there's like the two become a different new name. How did you piece through the logistics of the merger? Trying to make, the, make it as simple as possible to, for the merger, what we started talking about here was the success that Hill City was having. The fact that they had started just a few years ago and they had seen great growth. Mm -hmm. So we talked about that. We, we looked at each other's bylaws. Um, I, I'd say we didn't, there were certain things that we didn't agree with, but the fact that Hill City was successful and we kind of saw ourselves, um, we, we knew we were dwindling in numbers, and we, we knew we needed to do something. So it was a fairly easy process to say, well, how important is this disagreement? Mm -hmm. How important is this thing that we really think is great, let's, let's, let's run with the, the things that are best. Um, I think in a merger, maybe the best word is sometimes compromise. Mm -hmm. So on both sides, you're gonna have to think, what, what can I do to, to 
blend well. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the bylaws was one of the issues that in the end, Capital City said, we're gonna become Hill City. This is still our home and we still are gonna remember our legacy, but we're, we're happy to blend in with the leadership and with the, the members of Hill City. And I'll add as well, we read uh, all together the book Better Together by Warren Bird and Jim Tomberland. That was hugely helpful. And we really, you know, the term negotiation isn't like quite the best term because the reality is we, we re there was like cards on the table, no tricks. It wasn't adversarial. It yeah, was like it was collaborative. Er, like, so early on, uh, I met with um, Dave and another one of the elders and that was, you know, some of the potential questions and questions that Capital City members had had was about the name. And we were just, you know, we just relaunched, like at that <laughs> point it was like two and a half years ago yeah. or whatever it was. And I, you know, I just kind of said cards on the table. I don't think like we will be able to consider this if there's, if now we're, we're doing a, a rebrand again. Just because we're, and it was part of that, like part of the compromise, you know, that, that our people were, were gonna have to make and accepting the reality, not just wanna be really sensitive to the existing church here, but also sensitive to the journey our church has been on. A yeah. lot of change, a lot of transition, moving locations, more transition, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think about one of the things that really, really helped is we tried to communicate in a unified front. We did a congregational meeting uh, after I preached here one of those weeks with the Capital City Elders, myself, and Jake, our associate pastor. And it was the, uh, the five of us, or yeah, the five of us just fielding questions. And one of the, the questions came up about the name and we had communicated it, we had communicated. It was like, it was very clear. We were gonna become Hill City Church. That will, that will be our name still. And uh, there was a, fr you know, I, I answered the question. There was kind of a, a frustrated person in the audience and it was actually one of the capital city elders who like had my back in that moment. And that was to me a pivotal moment where I knew this is gonna work because we're demonstrating we are all unified as a leadership in this. Yeah. And um, like he just was like, expressed just what Dave expressed, which was, man, what they're doing is working. Like they've put a lot of effort into being known in the community these last three years, and we want to use that. We want to leverage that for the yeah, future. It's an asset, right? Yeah, like the, the Hill City brand, for lack of a better term, is a known quantity in the North End right now, and we want to continue to invite people to that. And, and at the end of the day, realizing that the church is the people. It's not the logo. It's not the, it's not the name, and it's the Church of Jesus Christ at the end of the day. And so I think that was the perspective the elders shared, and I think having each other's backs and having us having a unified answer. And then when I'm sharing with people in my office or when there's in, in the months leading up to the effective merger, which was January 1st, um, all of us giving the same answers to those questions was a huge part of the process. And if there's, so there's 40 or 50 people at the time where you guys made the transition. That's actually pretty early for a lot of churches. A lot of churches wait till they're closer to you know, that 20 or less where they have a hard time functioning as a congregation. At 40, you still have enough people to, you know, at least put on a, a weekly service. What gave your people the, the impetus and what gave them the courage to say, let's look now rather than waiting till that point? 
I think timing was everything. So when Quentin resigned, they knew they had to do something. Uh, they had banked on having a young guy turn things around and it actually dwindled a little bit in that time. Not because Quentin wasn't a good preacher or a good pastor, but people moved away and mm -hmm. we, were, we just weren't reaching the North End very well. A lot of our people were driving 10 miles to come to church. And so I think timing in our case was everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think our elders were, they, they'd been on a long road for a while. Uh, we, we could pay our bills. We had a decent amount of income, but we couldn't make improvements. We couldn't, we could buy paint, but we couldn't fix the window if it broke, you know? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So we knew that we, we needed to do something different. Yeah. And we had a little bit of a, of a time crunch. I mentioned that we, we had the pressure of, are we going to sign our lease or not? Uh -huh. And I had to kind of kept uh, pushing that off a little bit, delaying it. And then I finally had to just level with the owner of our building and say, listen, we're actually considering a merger where we would move. And so our lease was up at the end of the year. And we were approached in July of that year. So it was a five month process from initial conversation to actually merged. And part of what sped that up was, if we're gonna do it, we need, we can't yeah, get like, yeah, we have to know, yeah. you know, essentially. And it was by October that it was, the vote took place and the elder teams were, had both voted and were in favor. It, we just needed the, that congregational buy-in. We had that in October and then two months later, Signed and done. Signed and done. Yep. Uh, did you did you have a moment in the process? Um, there's always the institutional leaders, and then there's the um, the people in the crowd who are influential voices. Power, Those, power brokers. Power right? brokers. Yeah. And the, like, was there a moment where you won over that person, or that person kind of caught the vision and it changed things for you? I think the the day we had the vote, there were some people that voted yes that might have been on the edge until the very last moment. Um, but I think for the most part, uh, it was an ongoing process. And the people, th this is a really loving congregation. And even the people that aren't coming here now that disagreed, some of them voted because they knew we had to do this. Hmm. They found another congregation to serve in that's smaller or meets their needs better. But for the most part, I think everyone who isn't attending now that were a part of Capital City Christian Church have found a home that suits them uh, well. Yeah. Uh, I've actually been a little disappointed that some of our youngest families with the largest number of kids have chosen to go somewhere where they could immediately be used and they could immediately be serving. Mm. Um, I, I, I just know what they're missing by what's going on here. But I'm so thankful that, that for the most part they were grounded in their faith enough to go seek something that would work for them. Well, and it's, it's been a year. We're like coming up on a year and two weeks or whatever. Um, tell me about what's happened since. Uh, how, how has the church done? How has it grown? The building project? Um, and even how many people have stayed or left from both congregations? How, how has that worked? I'll start. Josh has got a great story on this. But uh, basically, uh, the church has grown. We're bigger than we were separate. 
mm. which is amazing. A lot of times in a merger, you'll see, you, you'll kind of dwindle a little bit, but actually we're stronger together by mm. far. Mm. Uh, we probably have, I'd say about half of the 50 people that were involved are still coming on a weekly basis to church here. Great. Um, and like I said, most of the rest of them have found their home and they're serving somewhere else. But boy, I'll let Josh talk about the remodeling, but um, just to say that there's a, almost all these projects were something that the church knew needed to be done, mm -hmm. but we just didn't have the means to make it happen. Yeah. Nor probably, I don't like to admit that I'm getting old myself, but sometimes the vision leaves as you get older. Well, that's not going to happen. We've tried that before. Mm -hmm. But to get some new eyes to come in here and say, hey, we can't live with it this way. We're, we're going to make it. We, we have one shot to do this well. Let's make it happen. And I congratulate really Josh on being the push to make these things happen. So, Yeah, it's... Uh... 2020, 2021, difficult years for churches, for everyone really, but uh, we are beyond our uh, Sunday attendance to where we were before merging. Uh, giving has been incredible this year during a year where we have been doing a fundraising campaign, which you know, generally is also just a, we're trying to raise funds here and so expenses for other things are getting cut. We haven't had to, to make any of those kind of cuts. And uh, what I'm most excited about is a ton of new people in the area. You know, we wanna be a church that reaches our neighborhood. Making Jesus known in the neighborhood is one of our core values. And we're seeing that happen. We've seen more than twice the amount of baptisms in any other year that our church has existed already this year. And uh, we're just waiting for the baptistry to get finished so we can, we have a backlog of people who are signed up, ready to go. And so, it's You're so, gonna get a horse trough out here or something? Some, maybe, yeah, an inflatable pool in yeah. the meantime or something. And uh, we've got new families. Our kids' ministry is exploding with growth. Our youth ministry is larger than ever before. So things that even us on our own weren't seeing happen before merging uh, in a year that was crazy with construction and remodeling. And we've, we, ha we still have not had 100% of the building open and available to be used for ministry on Sundays. Uh, it's it's a, always a moving target announcing, all right, the bathrooms downstairs are closed, but the upstairs ones are, are you know, like that's, that's a, a weekly thing that we do. Uh, God has really used that to grow people in that mindset that the church is not the building. Uh, we are the church. We are the, the family and the people of God. And so mm -hmm. it's been so amazing to see. And I, and not to sell it short, there is a lot of pinch points and conflicts and help walking people through the process, just exhausting, tiring. Fundraising isn't always fun. Uh, not, no, it never is. <laughs> right, having, honestly, the construction's amazing to see the before and after photos and uh, to celebrate every new thing that is being done. But it's, it's very taxing to live and work in a space that is under construction. Yep. And so, so not, to, not to paint the picture that it's easy or perfect or anything like that, but I would just say, you know, that title of that book, Better Together, it was something even I was a little skeptical about, mm -hmm. uh, was the authors of that book saying, well, you know, one plus one doesn't always equal two, it can equal five, it can equal 10, if God's hand is on, a, you know, a merger like this. Mm -hmm. I, I can say even after one year, we're already seeing that. And 
you know, I would just encourage uh, pastors, church leaders who at all have opportunities that might present themselves on one side or the other of a merger to prayerfully be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's what I appreciated the most about the capital city elders discerning that and uh, gave us from the get-go a really good tone for that, that merger conversation was, this is something they're seeking the will of God on. It made us as a Hill City elder team say, we need to seek God's will on this as well. Yeah. And, uh, and we kept walking through those doors and here we are a year later and God has blessed it. Yeah, what would be your advice, David? Churches who are in transition, churches who are struggling, maybe wondering about their future, how would they approach it? What would you tell them to think about? I think when a church is struggling, probably the, the first thing you have to do is kind of turn to God. You have to definitely say, you know, this is your church, we're your people, what do you want us to do? And then it's really important, I think, to look beyond your walls, beyond your people, and see, well, what does God have for me in this community? What does God have for me around the world? Uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, churches will grow when they're looking at the outside, when they're, whether it's sending money to help in Africa or whether it's planting churches in the Philippines, whatever it is, whether it's helping with the homeless in town, that when we're reaching out to others and truly showing the love that Jesus showed to us, then you're, you're going to want what's best for the church. So it, it takes prayer, it takes asking, but it also takes sitting back and listening and letting God speak to you and show you the direction that you might need to go. Yeah. My, my first church that I led was a, uh, it was a merger of a large multi-site that came in and partnered and an old, about 100-year-old non-denominational church. It was called the Union Church back in the day because they didn't have enough Presbyterians or Baptists or you know whoever to put together a whole church, so they had a Union Church. And uh, it's in Watertown, Massachusetts. And one of, my, one of the heroes of faith to me, there's this woman named Judy Holmes. In her late 60s, her parents had helped build it. She could point to like three of the stained glass windows and say, this, this is my, my mom's family, this is my dad's family, this is our family. You know, like she, it, was, it was her church. And she got to a point where she realized that they couldn't put on services anymore. And she knew that she was watching around her town all these churches that were bought up and turned into condos. Mm. I mean, you're talking four developments just in that little town that had happened. And she said, this is God's house. I don't want it to become somebody else's house. And so she took this brave stance to say, I've heard about this church down the road. I'm going to call them up. And she said, hey, let's make this thing happen. And then she shepherded it from start to finish, taking this radical leap of saying, this is my family's legacy. I don't want to see it go to waste. I want to see what God's going to do. And then she had, she had gone to church her entire life, and we invited her to our Alpha course that first year. We were, in, we were doing um, outreach in the community. We said, Judy, come, and you can help do food and sit at the table during Alpha. And she, she was like, great, I'd love to. I have no idea what this thing is. And Nicky Gumbel's up there. He's preaching in his beautiful British accent, and everybody's just being, you know, leaning in. And six weeks into this thing, she goes, I... I had no idea. I, she's like, I've been trying to figure out this whole time why your church is full of life and ours church wasn't. And I'm, she's six weeks into this course and she goes, you know what? My whole life I thought that religion was about duty. 
and you guys know God. And I want that. So I'm in. I'm going to do it. So like during Alpha, this woman who had gone to church her entire life, she's in her late 60s, says, I'm going to start following Jesus. And just like, and actually that happened. There was three people in that community who were over 60 who all started their relationship with Jesus. And like some amazing things happen when people set their cards on the table and say, this is God's stuff. This building doesn't belong to Capital City Christian. You know, this is God's building. And he's going to take his assets and however we steward them, he's going to use them. So I just want to say, I'm really, I, I'm just touched by the generosity and the opportunity you guys have created for gospel work here in downtown and excited to see how God might use your story to help other people imagine a new future that's going to go forward. So thanks for telling your story, guys. This yeah. has been great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group, or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.